Welcome to For the Love Podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. It's me, Jen. This is the For the Love Podcast. I'm so glad to be with you again this week. We're in the middle of a series called For the Love of Moxie, and I hope you're loving it as much as I am because these conversations with women who are smart and passionate and courageous, creative, amazing, have been really, really life-giving for me. I've taken notes. I've really thought long and hard after each one of these conversations um, are even over about a lot of the things these women have said and and ways they've instructed us and just told their stories. It's been just honestly phenomenal and so much so that we actually extended the series. (laughs) We sort of had a plan for how many um, guests we wanted to have in this series, But it's just been so inspiring and encouraging that we added more and extended the life of For the Love of Moxie a little bit. And today is no exception. Um, I can't tell you how happy I am about my guest today. Um, If you've been around me for five seconds, you know her name and you know her work because um, I don't just admire her and respect her. She is a dear dear, dear friend, one of my dearest friends. It's Jessica Honiger. And Jessica is the founder and the CEO of Noonday Collection, um, which is this amazing enterprise that um, employs vulnerable uh, men and women, honestly, all around the country, all around the world. Um, I think they're in 13 or 14 countries at this point. And it just, um, Noonday supplies this really meaningful work um, for the ambassadors that are here. We're going to talk more about that. And the artisans abroad, everything is handmade. Everything is homemade. She built this thing out of essentially a spare bedroom in what began as a fundraiser for her own adoption for her son, Jack. We're going to talk about all that. She'll tell you the story, um, but talk about Moxie. I mean, this girl has it in spades. She really does. Um, She's gritty and smart and passionate. I'm really, really proud of her. Um, She lives here in Austin with me and has had a, a just a, an eye toward the world her whole life. I'm excited for you to kind of hear a little bit about how she grew up and what really made her tick from an early age. And so um, she's fabulous. She's a mom to three kids, Amelie, Holden, Jack. Her husband is Joe, and it's just the dearest family. You're going to love her today. You're going to love hearing her story. You're going to love hearing about her company um, and what she's sort of overcome. Jessica is also this very sage, wise friend. So you sometimes just have to lean into her because all of a sudden she'll just drop a little piece of knowledge that is so outstanding that you're just, you're thinking about it a week later. And so anyway, it's my great joy to have Jessica Honiger on the podcast today. And I hope that you love her. Enjoy our chat. Jessica, hi, my good, 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 dear friend. I'm so glad to have you on. Hey, it's fun to be on. I know, right? Yeah, so, it's listen. because I'm used to interviewing you. and <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> it is so strange. That's true. I've gotten to be a part of Noonday's um, conference. I mean, yeah. I think every year for three Several years, years, maybe even four. I think four. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're, you're in charge and I'm answering your questions. So, yay, finally, my turn. 
Um, hey, speaking of, I've got to say to you right off the bat, thank you so much for being a part of my live stream lunch party for of Mess and Moxie. You and Rachel were the just divine. So fun. So perfect. Thank you for being a part of that night. Thanks for asking me. That was really fun. Well, I'm like, who do I want to sit with that I adore, that I respect, that have all the moxie, but also tell the truth about the mess? And I mean, you're like at the top. So speaking of, this is funny, but, you know, a ton of my people already know and love you because I've only talked about Noonday. I don't know. 70 million times into their ears, but a lot of them were new to you. And so what's funny is looking back at the responses to our live um, simulcast, um, what people talked about the most that you said that they loved you the most for was when you said that um, you couldn't stand other people's kids. (laughs) You know, here's the problem. You're doing a live thing with a friend. And so I'm an overshare anyway. Right. I am an overshare. I go off roading <laughs> and then here I am off roading sitting next to you. Like it's all like we're on your front porch, but really we're on your front porch in front of your hundreds of thousands of <laughs> friends on Facebook. And you know, that just, that one just slipped right out. But I, well, you know what? It's funny because people uh, loved it because it's how so many of us feel. But you right. know, we're just not sure if we can say that out loud. So you said it out loud for us, and it was divine. I, um, for the longest time, you know, Brandon and I have been in church work our entire adult lives. And I told him at one point, I cannot, I'll do anything. I, I will make copies for church. I will, I will, I will wave people in in the parking lot. I will do anything, but I cannot work in the nursery. It wow. makes me feel so ragey and crazy. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> not obviously a nursery person. And that's why I recently took all three of my kids on a business trip with me to Africa. Like, Yeah, you did. Led an ambassador, an artisan trip with Joe. No one else from my office came with me. And my three children were with me the whole time. And I, I suddenly the night before we left for this trip, I was like, what was I thinking? Like, who thought this was a good idea? (laughs) And it was mainly because I was, got really worried about the perception of my ambassadors towards me on this trip. Like I didn't Uh. want my kids to rain on their parade. And then that made me feel insecure. And so suddenly like the night before, like literally I'm meeting everybody in Kampala, Uganda. I'm like, what was I thinking? But I have to say there were probably people on that trip that didn't like my kids. I mean, Mm. you know, that didn't like kids because, and that's the thing. I would have been that girl. I would have been the girl on that trip being like, I hope, I hope their eight year old isn't sitting next to me on this like four hour bus ride. (laughs) 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 You know? I'm dying laughing over that. Thankfully there were enough people on that trip that loved kids. And there were even a couple people that kind of got real buddy, buddy, cause they were introverts and they, it was oh, kind of yeah. escape from having to like, you know, get to know all these new people. Totally. So, kids are um, a buffer. Kids are a buffer. Kids are a buffer. But I was, I was, you know, really relating to, I know a couple of those ladies that were like, Oh, great. I've just <laughs> earned a trip to Africa with an eight year old. Yay. 
just what I always wanted to do. Oh, that makes me laugh so hard. Um, but your kids are amazing travelers and you have raised them in a household that honors and cherishes and loves other cultures and other countries and adventure. And so your kids did amazing on that trip, right? They, they really did. Honestly, I was definitely blown away and, you know, we're finally at that age, um, where they're like little people. It's funny. I didn't know this, but halfway through the trip, some ambassadors came up to me. They were like, do you know that Amelie is doing a whole survey to every single ambassador? She had this full chart, you know, like, where are you from? How many kids? One of the questions was, who's your pick, Jessica or Travis? Travis is my co-CEO. <laughs> are you serious right now? Yeah. What's your pick? Jessica or Travis? I was like, oh my, uh, Amelie. He's just like that is crazy. So of course they're all like uh, Jessica because we're on the trip with her. Yeah. <laughs> Travis didn't go with you, right? No, yeah. no. So anyway, no, they did. They did really well, and um, Amelie actually got sick for the first time. Yeah. I mean, she just literally like she's not she's eleven, but she just hasn't gotten sick much in her life. And on, in the middle of the trip, we took, um, we went to this boutique hotel in the middle of the Nile river and you literally had to take a canoe to get to this Island. And it was surrounded by level six rapids. It was one of the most like majestic, beautiful places I'd ever been, but then also like awe inspiring. And I'm so glad my boys are not with me because they would Mm -hmm. die. So thankfully I left the boys back (laughs) with our Ugandan friends. Yes, because boys would be like, I think I can handle these rapids. Let's, oh my God. let's see if we can swim across. They literally, it literally would have died. So, but poor Amelie was up all night coming out both ends. And she just looked Bless. at me in the middle of the night. She's like, have you ever been sick like this? <laughs> oh, baby girl. <laughs> and you're in the middle of ri- a river. Literally, it's just bananas. I'm like in the middle of the night. I'm like, okay, like could we take the canoe and then is there a clinic in this village? But thankfully I'm with 20 ambassadors who on top of their jobs as being ambassadors, there were a couple nurses, one like child life specialist who like helps, you know, totally kids and hospitals get needles poked in them. And so, I mean, they just mothered her to pieces. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It worked out. I mean, thankfully, she wasn't just there alone with me since I don't like other people's children and don't really (laughs) like mine when they're sick. So I'm glad (laughs) that there were, like, nurses there that could come. They were, like, rubbing essential oils on her tummy. Of course they were. I mean, I didn't bring anything. (laughs) Okay, I did bring – I brought an antibiotic, you know, from the travel doctor that was just, sure here. And I was, like, pushing it down in the middle of the night. But anyway – But, you know, she did really well and I think learned even from that. It was very eye-opening because we actually on this trip, um, it's a business trip. And so these ambassadors who have been selling and creating a marketplace for these artisans are now getting to meet these artisans for the first time. And it's this mutual, beautiful exchange of artisans saying, thank you for creating a marketplace. And and then it's the ambassadors getting to look into the artisans eyes and saying, thanks for creating a job for me. And here's what I've been able to do with my work. And also on this trip last summer, we had done something that we call a flourishing world initiative where we take a portion of our sales because as much as we want 
business and entrepreneurship to cover um, all of the basic needs, there's still gaps in these countries. And of course, one of the biggest gaps is clean water. And so um, the team in Uganda had said, if we, if you could raise enough money for us to get some water filters, um, that would be a huge gift to our, our employees. And so we were actually able to gift them on that trip. And so it's called Tiva water filters. And they came, they showed exactly how to use them all. And one of the most profound moments on that trip that and I tie this back to my kids cause they were there, um, Jalia, the head of the business in Uganda, looked out over this her sea of 100 employees now and said, mm-hmm. how many of you all have running water at home? And two people raised their hand. Whoa. Wow. And I wanted to drive that home because I was, you know, you see these water filters and you're like, oh, yay, water filters. But, you know, there was not that context until... Yeah we really painted that picture. And so then Holden, my, my middle child, I feel bad calling him my middle child. (laughs) Well, that's what he is. That's what he is. Um, and that night he said, wow, I really learned today how hard it is just to get one sip of water here, Mm. of clean water here. And that is really powerful. That was powerful. It was so, you know, you're, you're using all this language that I know and that, you know, um, but Will you just, for people who are new to you, to who are new to Noonday, this is the first time they're hearing about it, can you talk just a little bit about the Noonday story and brand? What do you mean when you're saying ambassadors? What are you talking about artisans? What countries do you mean? What is your work? Um, will you sort of do a high-level explanation of Noonday? And then I'll kind of want to dig in to the building of it. But just tell everybody a little bit about what we're even talking about. Absolutely. So Noonday Collection, we are a socially responsible fashion brand. And we are creating opportunity for artisans that live in vulnerable communities in around 13 different countries around the world. And we create a marketplace for those artisans here in America through a network of social entrepreneurs that we call ambassadors. And we have about 2000 ambassadors around the country. Those are women who are business owners in their own right. They are running their own noonday collection companies in their communities and they're earning an income while also creating income opportunities for our partners that are around the world. And so we have been able to impact over the last um, seven years, 4,000 artisans, which then impacts 20,000 family and community members where they are working. And so we are just in the business of creating dignified work, of honoring human worth, and of making yeah. women feel really beautiful along the way. I am, you know, you know how I feel. Um, and I just have a thousand things I want to say about you and about Noonday and how much I believe in both. Um, well, you're one of the very first people that really taught me that doing really can really good, important, impactful work in the world does not have to be in a nonprofit setting, that there is something incredibly empowering. A lot, there's a lot of dignity to um, financial empowerment and to for-profit work. And, you know, in, in my sort of church world, virtually everything is nonprofit. You know, that's right. just, that's sort of the, the, that's the brand. But 
it was really eye-opening for me to come alongside of you in the really early days of Noonday and rethink what it looks like to empower people both locally and abroad. And I love how you talk about that, how you talk about doing for-profit work. Can you just talk about that for a sec? Yeah. And, you know, I kind of came from a similar background to you, um, although my whole waking up to poverty came um, a little bit younger. So in middle school, I was already a little bit of sort of a raging, righteous mm-hmm. person that probably no one wanted to be around. Um, and then throughout high school, you know, did some mission trips and then in college um, got involved more at a local level. And then after college, I went with an organization overseas to live and work among the poor it was a Christian development organization and I lived in Bolivia and in Guatemala. And I think one of the things that I really noticed on that trip was the fact that the the poor who were able to sort of rise out of poverty had this entrepreneurial spirit, whether it was, you know, they had their corn that was growing and they made a little extra to sell or whether they were weaving Uh, We peel for themselves, but then they would weave a couple of extra to sell at the marketplace. This idea that they could take the resources that they had and multiply that and use their power to create more power for themselves and their community. um, That is really when I saw change happen because there were other projects, you know, like I remember walking through the Bolivian Andes when I literally was living out in the middle of nowhere and Mm. I would come across latrines that were, had become storage units and, or, or they were just crumpled down. And it's because a, a, an NGO had come in and a non-governmental organization had come in and assessed this community needs latrines. They built them and they left. Well, guess what? That's, that Mm. wasn't a need that the community saw as a need. And so I really began to, be able to change my perspective on need and become more of a learner during that time. You know, unlike my days, definitely in high school and college where it was like, well, yeah, I know the solution. Here's what it is. And so I think that's what I love about entrepreneurship is that it really does um, treat people as image bearers of God and as, you know, with, with ability and with worth and with innovation and with ideas and gets to multiply that. And so that's been my greatest joy at Noonday has been able to create entrepreneurial opportunities for artisans and then also for ambassadors here in America, because there's just something that happens in, in being able to, walk through your fears by starting a business. So true. Um, You know, this is now the, that has reframed the way that I think about community development, um, the way that I think about any sort of um, international partnership or intervention. I mean, it's, that has, that toggled a switch for me Mm. um, that we've now seen played out over and over and over on the ground in communities that are fragile, mm-hmm. um, economically, physically, in whatever way, that sort of that sort of financial empowerment that honors their skills, mm-hmm. um, their smarts, um, their resourcefulness. Um, I haven't seen anything else work to that degree. Nothing. 
Um, it is, it's an amazing model on which to base your company. Let's go back to the very beginning, the very, very beginning of Noonday, because I mean, obviously this whole series, this podcast series is for the love of Moxie. And so, you know, I'm thinking, who are the women that I know that just have insane Moxie? Like who, who just has that pluck um, that is able to just develop something literally out of grit. And that's how I think about you. That's how I think about Noonday, especially, I want you to tell everybody about the earliest beginnings, like the very, very fancy beginnings of Noonday, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> and and where so, it came from and how it started. Well, after getting my design degree at Parsons and moving on to get my MBA at Harvard and then getting a $50,000 investment from my parents, I was able to launch Noonday. You know the story. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Not true. None of it's true. true. Uh, Majored in Latin American studies and went on to do development work and definitely didn't have two pennies to rub together when I started Noonday Collection. So it, I had had a history of being exposed to poverty and, and sort of wanting to be part of the solution to the injustices that are in the world and knowing that I came from a real place of privilege And how could I use that privilege to create privilege for other people and opportunity for other people? But it wasn't until I was really cornered. And I mean, I literally felt like God cornered me that Mm -hmm. I actually kind of used that grit that was in me to to do something about it in a way that that matched my gifts and my personality. Mm -hmm. And so really, I had got my friends were living in Uganda and they were trying to create entrepreneurial opportunities for people there. And one of those businesses they had tried to get going was this artisan business because they had partnered with this young couple. They said, gosh, they are bright. They're smart. They are just extremely poor, but they're really talented. And so can you create a marketplace for them? And at the time, Joe and I had been flipping houses Joanna yep. took game style seriously sure. before they were there. There was Joe and me, you know, <laughs> that's right. Joe and Jess, it could have been you. It have been us. And so, you know, and then the, the, the market crashed and we realized, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, this period of seven, no doc loans is not going to yep. last. And so we, um, began to live off our credit cards. Cause we literally, there was no way for us to sell the houses that we currently owned. And right around that time we had decided to internationally adopt, which is, you know, costs a lot of money. Yep. So here Perfect timing when you're like sitting on a bunch of houses that won't sell. Yeah, exactly. Right. So here we are knowing we want to grow our family. We had two bio kids. I really didn't want to get pregnant again. Um, there was kind of some amazing circumstances that led us to know that it was Rwanda and we needed to pay for it. And so my friends right around that time are the ones that said, why don't you create a marketplace for our friends? We've already bought all of their stuff and Mm -hmm. it's just sitting in a storage unit. Can you dust it off, sell it and you can use that money to fund your adoption. But what we'd really love is for you to sell it and then reinvest and buy from them again. And so I opened my home one night, I went and I dusted off all of their um, beautiful accessories that they had made. And I also sold all of my clothes. (laughs) I feel like I still walk around Washington sometime and see people wearing my clothes. (laughs) And invited women into my home. And, you know, I was so afraid no one was going to show up for me, which... 
I think, you know, when you're doing anything where you're asking people to come join you, there's that level of vulnerability in that moment of like, oh my gosh, no one's going to show, but women showed up for me. And I found that women show up for one another and they have shown up for me ever since. I mean, you were one of the earliest women to show up for me in a really big Mm -hmm. way. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing and it's contagious. You know, the more we keep showing up for one another, the more we create this culture of championing one another and that courage that, I mean, I look back and I think, God, I thought it, for me, it took so much courage to open my home and invite people in. Mm -hmm. And of course now I think, gosh, now I, I do that all the time. I'm always asking people to open their homes now. But after that one night, I realized, okay, this isn't just going to be a fundraiser for Jack. This could really be a business. There's a hole in the market. There's, you know, this whole age old concept of direct sales that, you know, Mary Kay and Avon, but there wasn't any company that was selling a product that was really creating an impact. And then in the whole fair trade market, there weren't really, wasn't a whole lot of really fashion forward, cute things that you would want to buy. And so there was this intersection of need in the marketplace that Noonday was able to um, fill and, I started off, you know, Jolly and Daniel and dusting off their items. And now they employ a hundred people in Uganda, in addition to contracting with 300 others out in the rural communities. And so, um, mm. it's, it's definitely exploded into something I never could have imagined. And, you know, yeah. I look back to those beginning days and, you know, I went and pawned my some hmm. old heirloom jewelry at a pawn shop in order to fund my first website. And I even remember I was asking everyone to open their homes to host for me. And I went outside of Austin. So I began to travel all over Texas. And I literally, I would ask people to open their homes. And then, of course, I couldn't afford a hotel. So I right. would, can you open your home and, and can I sleep on your couch? <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I just love this part of your story. We're about in a second. We're going to talk about what Noonday looks like today and how explosively it's grown and how amazing its impact is. But what would you say to um, people who are listening today? And they are back where you were then. They they've got the seed of an idea. They've got they've got a fire in their belly for something. They're they're a creative. Um, they have a little dream that is kind of being. It's keeping them up at night. It's something they want to bring forth or they've just got just the little bare bones of an idea, but just absolutely no sense of how it's going to work, of if it's going to work. Um, what like what would you have told yourself if you could go back and talk to Jessica then? What what would you say? Like, what have you learned or what was the most important thing in that season where it's so fragile and you had absolutely no guarantees any of that was going to work? None. Like, maybe this thing's going to burn out in six months. Maybe I'm just going to run through all this product and it's going to be gone. I don't know. Just I would love to hear your advice for people who are at step one, not at step 10 like you are. Right. You know, it's a great question. And in so many ways, I'm glad I didn't know as much as I do now. And I mean, I think even in the last seven years, there's just so much more access to how to do this and how to build your Instagram following and how to blah, 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 where I think people in that beginning stage can get stuck on like, okay, I got to figure, get all my ducks in a row before I go. And Mm -hmm. I say, just jump in head first, you know, 
jump first and look where you're jumping later. Yeah. Don't get hung up on perfectionism. I mean, when I launched Noonday, I didn't even know it was Noonday, but then when I actually went and like, you know, got my business name and all my tax number and all of that within the same month of that original trunk show, I didn't have business cards. I didn't have some beautiful, you know, logo yet. It was really, I've got to go and and test this idea in the marketplace, you know, and I'm Mm. just, I, it's like a hustle. So you've got to hustle. Literally you say yes to everything. And there is a level of commitment that you absolutely make. And you've got to believe you have to believe 100% in the success of the outcome of your idea, because so many people are going to be looking at you. Oh, small potatoes. True. Or, Oh gosh, that's already been done. Yep. Or you're going to hear so many, you know, opposition. You're going to get a lot of opposition. You're going to see a lot of obstacles, but you have got to look at your obstacles and just see them as walls to climb over. Mm. And I would say also go together, whether that means Mm. um, a business partner, whether that means getting a group of people together that can help um, support you, you know, forming yeah. a little group that's, you know, cause I, I just saw, as I said, you know, you, you can't see a wall. You've got to climb over it. But I think we need those women that are at the top of the wall, throwing the ropes down saying here, Good. climb up. And the thing is, I think people look at us, Jen, and they think like, Oh, well they, they compare, you know, our ending mm-hmm. to their beginning. Yeah. Whereas we had to build this. I mean, we have been intentional with one another for years now and showing up for one another and championing the cause of leadership and the cause of uh, championing justice. And so Mm -hmm. I just want women to feel empowered that they don't need to wait for this to happen to them. Like you can go and create a space where you're going to feel empowered by other people and um, believe you got to believe. You know, I, girl, just, you know, I'm, I'm standing on my chair, waving my hanky, yeah, you know, absolutely. you're speaking my language yes. and it's so true. I mean, even as you're talking, I'm thinking back to those gritty early days for me too, that were absurd. I mean, truly like you, you sleeping on people's couches, pedaling stuff out of your trunk. Yep. I, I, I had the same version, but in writing, uh-huh. um, and it was just, there was nobody saying this is smart use of your time. You know, I had all these babies everywhere or nobody was saying, would you please write a book? And we'd like to do something amazing with it. Like put it on a bunch of shelves. Nobody was doing that. You know, there's just, there's, there's something of a, there's a certain brand of moxie that you've just got to hang on to with both hands in the early stages of anything important, anything, um, where the vision, the drive, the love of it has to be enough and it can be enough. And then at that point, you just put your head down and you work, you You work so hard. And, um, and then you put, I love everything you just said. Just, if you have just a couple of cheerleaders in your back pocket, that's enough because what you'll discover dreamers out there listening is that even people who love you deeply, maybe the ones who love you the most, they are sometimes the voices of criticism more than anyone um, because they don't want to see you fail. Yeah, um, but the truth is, I talk to a lot of women with a dream in their heart, um, but but fear is keeping them frozen from starting or trying or changing or shifting towards it. And 
honestly, the question becomes, you know, they'll say to me, I just, I think, what if it fails? And my answer is, what if it does? Are you going to die? Is anybody going to die if you fail? And newsflash, you will fail all along the way in ways either big or small. And it's really what you do with that. Will you learn from that? Will you grow from that? Will you take that lesson and improve the next five steps, you know, building on what you've discovered in failure? Failure is a wonderful teacher. Oh my gosh. I mean, you have probably changed a ton of things in the new, in the company since you started based on failure and lessons learned, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I think that if we sit and try to evaluate outcomes before we've even begun, the biggest newsflash for me has been that I can't control outcomes. You know, for so long, I thought if I put perfect parenting in, then I can control the outcome of my children. And if I put this into my business, then this is the success that will come out the other end. I went skiing a couple years ago with my kids and I was teaching them how to ski for the first time. And I kept saying like, okay, you got to lean down, like lean into gravity when you ski. It feels so counterintuitive. And a lot of them spent their day just trying to fall backwards. And I think we can spend a lot of our lives just trying not to fall and wanting to fall backwards instead of just leaning in and skiing down the mountain, knowing that we can't control all the outcomes in our lives. And that, that has been so hard for me. And You know, I think the deeper question, too, is to say, what identity are you tying to that outcome? So for people that are afraid to fail, you know, well, then they've ascribed a certain meaning to failure. And I think that's That's a really interesting thing to explore is what in your identity is being wrapped up in failure? What does that mean if you were to fail? Because I think when we can get clear on that and get free to own our worthiness, from a place that no one can mess with, which for me, and I know for you is, is through right. Christ, then, um, we, we become courageous people. We become risk Oh, that's so good. You've taught me that, uh, you and I have worked through that idea for years together. Um, and it's, it's a hard, but important question to ask that when you're confronted with your own fear, um, what's under that? Yes. Uh, Who wants to dig on that? There's stuff. That's the problem. That is, there's something under there that is, that you're attaching that to. And so it's so true that when you are free, um, in that deep core place, then you're brave. Um, because failure is not going to change who you are. It's not going to change your worth. It's not going to change your value. It may not even change the ultimate outcome of what it is you're working on. Failure is not always a deal breaker. No, it's not exactly, always a game ender. That's the thing. You are going to get to the same outcome, right? Like eventually yeah. you're going to get to the bottom of the mountain. My kids are going to get to the bottom of the mountain. Are they going to spend their day on their butts? Or are they going to spend their day trying to fly down that mountain having fun? So it's either Good. a fear-based a fear-based approach to life or a faith-based approach to life. And at some point you got to let go. And it's, it's the scariest thing, but you know, I am so committed and as are you that we've got to be in this for the long haul, this commitment to a life of collaboration, this commitment to a life of justice and of creating opportunity for other people. And if we're going to be in it for the long haul, then we have to do that vulnerable work of looking inward and understanding where these fears come from so that they don't rule us. It's so good. This is why you're such a good leader. And this is, so largely why Noonday 
has experienced such phenomenal, insane growth in such a short amount of time. I want everybody to kind of know where Noonday is right now compared to where it started. Can you just walk us through, just tick them off for me. Let's talk about, um, first of all, you office here in Austin. So let's talk about how many people just work in your gorgeous offices. And then I want you to talk about your ambassadors that are here stateside, like how how many there are and where they are and who they are. And then tell us about the artisans in all these other countries. Like I, I want everybody to get a sense of the scale um, that you've been able to lead in a really short amount of time, truly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, I would say, you know, it is, it's one thing to start something, but scaling new day, <laughs> that's been the Man. big learning, learning curve for me, because it was just two years ago where Inc. Magazine named us as the yep. 30th fastest growing company in the nation. Crazy, and Jessica. It is crazy. It is. And it was in June that I actually stood on the stage where yep. John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods stood a few years ago and won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award from Ernst & Young. And it's it doesn't make any sense. You know, it, it, there are so many surreal moments um, because it has been a short amount of time. We've got 60 employees now and we have 4,000 artisans around the world, 30 businesses that we partner with in vulnerable communities, and 2,000 ambassadors, and hopefully more after all of y'all hear about it today on the podcast. And, you know, it really, it's a collective impact that is empowering women. It's creating dignified work for people. Um, it's cherishing children. We're, you know, making, yeah. we're creating opportunities so that kids are not trafficked, so that kids are in school and not in slave labor. We mm-hmm. also give towards adoption when trunk shows are hosting on behalf of an adoptive family. Yep. And through it all, we're connected. And I think that is such a powerful word, this idea of connection and Noonday has created a way for connection to happen on a really global scale. Mm. Talk for a minute about becoming an ambassador because you've had all kinds of women join the ambassador program. Some of them were stay-at-home moms. Some of them had other careers and they shifted over entirely. Some of them added it on to what they were already doing. Um, can you talk about what that program looks like? How, how do women get started? How do they find out more about it? And what do your ambassadors tell you the impact has been on their lives? Yes. You know, it is actually just a couple of nights ago, I was speaking at an event and I had an ambassador come with me, Krista, who I think you've hosted a trunk show with her yep. a couple years ago. And it was just such a moment of um, pride for me mm. because she was one of my first ambassadors yeah. um, five years ago. And she is now leading a team of 100 women. Wow. So her business is bigger than my, what my business was after like two or three years of working at noonday, you know, and she, her husband, they are church planters. Um, they really need additional income. She adopted a child from Uganda and, um, she really wanted to be able to do something tangible to create opportunity for people, um, but had limited time and really needed an income. And so just to be able to see her life now, 
on how it's that opportunity to be an ambassador has has met and flourished every single need that she had. She's she's earning an income now um, that is actually her full-time job and she's created opportunity for artisans in Uganda, which is where her little boy had come from. And so just the idea that she's able to prevent now um, this idea of the orphan crisis by creating opportunity for artisans that, you know, can now keep their children because they have jobs. And so that's an example of someone who's, whose life has totally changed. And she, um, has a teaching degree. You know, she was, mm. did not consider herself a salesperson. She wanted to be a part of doing something bigger than herself and she needed to earn money. And I, I would say that is the case for so many of yeah. our women. And we have people that are, I mean, we've got, we've got lawyers, we've got teachers, we have stay at home moms. We have people that have other businesses. I mean, we have so it's, it's such a beautiful, uh, diverse group of women that come from various backgrounds that we've been able to slowly build over the years. I would say that that lives are changed. And, you know, there's some women, and I love these stories, women that are like, I just love the jewelry. And I just, yeah, they just love fashion and beauty. And there's a place for that. And then they come alongside and then suddenly they're just living awake. They're seeing life through a new lens. And it also, you become a more empathetic person along the way, because as you connect to the needs of the world and you don't look across the world and see strangers, you see sisters you start living your life differently. And when empathy is present, apathy cannot exist. Those two things cannot coexist. That's so good. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because what I want everybody to know if they don't already know this is that the Noonday products are gorgeous. I mean, we're not talking about some janky, janky stuff that we're just peddling. I mean, it is, it's absolutely stunning, cutting edge, trendy, beautifully designed, innovative stuff. I mean, everybody needs to go. Where do they find all the... Okay, okay, all right, all right. I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to get to that. Hey, guys, just a quick break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just want to tell you one quick little offer um, that our friends over at audible.com have for you, my listeners. So this is what Audible's offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial just to give you the chance to check out their services if you don't already love them. They're amazing. Um, You're going to love Audible. You can get a free audiobook just for trying it out. You can check out my books over there if you want them. I recorded them both myself. It's like me reading to you. You could listen to the last one, which is For the Love, or the latest one, which is of Mess and Moxie. And if not those, there are so many other titles available over there. Um, and you could listen to any one of them for free. So here's what you do. To download your free audiobook today, you just go to audibletrial.com backslash hatmaker. That's simple. Audibletrial.com backslash hatmaker for your free audiobook. Hope you love it. Well, you can go to newdaycollection.com and yes. click the join tab if you want to join us. And we also do periodic calls as well with, with me to answer questions. If you already know of a Noonday ambassador in your community, which hopefully you do, just reach out to them and they can tell you everything you need, ne- need to know. But yep. Jen, you're going to love this. This is so perfect because in September... 
we're giving away a choice of our best-selling totes, which you got our mulberry mm. tote. I gave that to oh. you, <laughs> the red leather bag. It's too much. It is amazing. And so when you join in September, you get to actually pick a tote to add to your starter collection. So it's a great place to, a great time to join us. Oh, that is amazing. It's kind of endless, the benefits and advantages to ambassadors. You end up, you can win trips. I mean, you have traveled all around the world with your ambassadors. In fact, I went on a trip with you to Rwanda um, for the Style for Justice campaign in partnership with IJM. And you had an ambassador trip that met us out there at the same time. Just tell everybody briefly about what those trips look like and how your ambassadors get to go on them. It's just, it's such an amazing incentive. Yes. I mean, it it really is. We take ambassadors to, um, in the past, we've taken them to Haiti, to Ecuador, to Peru, to Uganda, to, and then this next year we're taking, for the first time, we're taking people to Vietnam and you have to sell a certain amount or you do a certain amount in your team. So it's a group effort and you get to qualify to come with us. And these are such special trips because mm-hmm. we're partnering with people. And so you're not coming to just meet people that you're never going to see again. You really are meeting your business partners, the people that you yeah. are, that are creating beautiful work that you're able to sell to your customers and, um, they're helping you build your business. And so we go on those trips. We also have our shine conference in Austin, which as Jen's spoken at every year, graciously. (laughs) I love it. I'm so empowered by your people. I'm so empowered by you and your company and your women and your one guy. We have a new Your man ambassador. We have a man ambassador. And oh my goodness, he saw me speak at a conference last year and he just, couldn't help. He was like, I have to be a part of this. And he, I love it. He's doing it. I love it. I'm so here for that. Um, so a couple more things. I, one thing that I wrote about in, um, in Moxie, Mess Moxie is I wrote an essay called, uh, beauty, food, fun, and naps. And it's sort of like this, um, weird tension that we hold as Um, as women or people who deeply care about justice, as we do, deeply care about the world. We're very connected to human suffering and inversely human flourishing. And how can we be a part of that? And, you know, we're we're eyes wide open kind of people where we are paying attention to the world and it matters deeply to us. And also we watch Gilmore Girls. And also we like to go get sushi together. And we like to take beautiful, fun trips. And so it's it's this interesting tension that we hold between caring about different things, some that are feel like deeply painful and some that feel deeply beautiful or even frivolous. Can you just can you talk about straddling these worlds? Because you do. You do. Your work is really interesting. You've got this um, very sort of flourishing world over here and then you're connected with these communities that are you know sometimes in severe crisis and coming out of extreme poverty and um how do you how do you navigate this where this desperate need is intersecting with artistry and beauty and even fun do you ever struggle with you know like christian guilt um a feeling like maybe it's wrong to enjoy what's beautiful and fun while so much of the world is hard and scary right you know, 
in my early 20s, I had um, a man named Richard Foster who wrote yeah. Celebration of Discipline. He's a, he's a Quaker guy. And I went to one of his retreats at the time. It was called Renovare. And I was about to move overseas. And I think there is this normal process when you're waking up to the world's needs. I mean, I certainly went through it in high school when I went to Kenya for the first time and came home and like threw away all of my clothes and, you know, looked down on anyone that was spending money on anything other than for the poor. I mean, we go, we go through these, um, period. Some of, some people write books about them. They're called the mutiny of excess. <laughs> yes. Oh man. I got rid of 80% of my closet. Yes. He looked me in the eyes and he said, it was super prophetic because he did not know me. And he just said, Jessica, never scorn the rich and never glorify the poor. Just walk in the Holy Spirit and think about Mother wow. Teresa, whether she was at the White House speaking at an event or whether she was wiping up um, after a, a, a leper had just, mm. you know, gotten sick. It didn't matter. She was walking in the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. And I just thought about how many ways had I scorned the rich. I mean, too many to count. I come from a very privileged background. It was easy for me to lift my nose up at people that were possibly spending their money on things that I considered frivolous, which I now definitely spend money on. And then how easy is it to glorify the poor, to say little catchy little things like they're so poor, but yes. they're so happy. Yes. You know, we like to put people in boxes. And so mm. I think part of this is just accepting that, that there are paradoxes. Like life is paradox. Good. Life is not either or, I mean, life is, and, you know, life is, and, yeah. and I started a little hashtag on Instagram, hashtag choosing and, because I think that when we can walk in this place of paradox, when we quit writing Sharpie and start using mm. pencil, we're able to, to walk in both the tensions. And, mm, girl. you know, I think about, I thought just m- more recently in the last couple of years that I was too white and too privileged to march in the Martin Luther King March. Oh uh, yeah. We talked about, you that. know, mm-hmm. that was a Sharpie. Right. And then yeah. it wasn't until our friend Tasha invited me, right. come, come join me that I thought, okay, I can be a part of this too. I can be white and privileged and I can march on behalf of, mm. of Martin Luther King and on behalf of my African American brothers and sisters in Austin. And so mm. I am faced with this paradox constantly. I mean, listen, four weeks ago, literally to the day I was sitting and praying with an artisan who had been gang raped by robbers yeah. And she had gone to the police. The police had done nothing because that is typical of police in the countries where we work. And I am praying with her and I am championing her. And the next day I land in America and I am planning my son's eight-year-old birthday party. And I'm figuring out how to use the jets on my new hot tub. You know, that's such a good example. And I, and I felt it and I feel Mm -hmm. it. And suddenly I'm running around town. I was also throwing a going away party that week and I'm chasing around town, trying to find really cute, you know, popsicles to have this thing. And and that melted. Yes. It (laughs) melted. (laughs) (laughs) And I do, you know, so I think it is this idea of um, connection, of empathy. I, I do think mm-hmm. when we face 
poverty, we face injustice, we can have these extreme reactions of being paralyzed that we're only one person and we won't be able to do anything, or overwhelmed, we're only one person, so why try at all? And so we've got to know that, yes, we are one person and our voice matters. Our life matters. God has created us in his image with incredible power. And when we begin to own that power and use that power to go and create human flourishing for others, that is how we end injustice. That is how we um, bring people along with us. And so um, we've got to be really aware of those tendencies that we have. And I heard a quote recently by Brian Stevenson that said, we've got to be proximate to the problem. And Mm, it really challenged me mainly because our family is proximate to the problem. We live in East Austin. Our kids go to a school. 40% of the kids are on free and reduced lunch. Um, you know, we've adopted a child. And in some ways that that has proximated ourselves to need and to the world. But how do I tell your listeners right now, Jen, that might be living in Vail or might be, you know, that, that mm. don't feel proximate. And what I want to say is, you can host a noonday collection trunk show. Okay, that's not really yeah. what I was going to say, but that is a way. Like there are ways that we can proximate ourselves. Whether it is that's wearing right. a piece of jewelry that is handmade by a, someone with a human soul that didn't just come um, out of Target, or you know, whether it is inviting someone into our home that is different than us. Um, there are ways that we have to look to be proximate, so that we can always be connected to. something that's bigger than us and that, you know, we don't have to have the perfect popsicles for the going away party, you know, and if we fill our lives with the perfect popsicles and the perfect after school activities and all the perfectness, then we don't have margin in our lives to be proximate and to meet the needs Mm. that are right in front of us. Oh my gosh. That is incredible counsel. Wonderful advice. You live it. You live it well. You really do. And you live it. You live it. I mean, you have helped Austin live this, Jen, and it's just amazing that we get to be in the same city together. It is. It really is. And you're just such a good friend. And I'm so, it's weird because I both love you deeply like a sister and I'm proud of you like a grandma. It's just so <laughs> weird that we can be so proud of um, of one another, what what we're building and, and how we serve. So listen, we're going to wrap up here with Three quick questions. We're asking everybody in this series. You just fire it off. Um, here's the first one. What's a messy moment? Just a hot mess um, that you've had in your life that you that you were able to power through, and what did it teach you? I feel like I shared a little bit, but I definitely our messiest moment is when we were living off credit cards and Joe comes in in the morning. He's like, don't go grocery shopping today. And like, if you need to buy anything, use this new one that I just opened up. (laughs) Yes, girl. We've been there. That was a hot mess. And we got through and we're, we're not in debt and we run a successful company. (laughs) 
Okay. That is amazing. I, I remember, I've told this story before that I remember one time when Caleb was a baby, Sydney was two, Gavin was four. We're all in the kitchen. It's empty. Like there's, there's nothing in the refrigerator. The pantry is bare and I've got a baby on each hip and Brandon hands me a $20 bill. And he's like, this has to somehow feed us for a week. And I slunk down to the ground with the babies hanging off of every limb. And just, we all bawled our eyes out. <laughs> like we have been there. That is no joke um, to really rise back up out of honestly what felt like financial ruin and debt and expenditure. So that's a good one. I'm glad you said that um, because that's so relatable. So we also, you know, I mentioned at the top of this interview, you've got a lot of Moxie sisters. So um, tell us just a specific moment in your life where you felt like, and it's okay to, to, to say this out loud, you embodied that quality. You embodied the quality of Moxie, just sheer will. You dug in, you saw something through, you overcame, you got to the other side. You know, a very clear moment comes to mind, and it was smack in the middle of the adoption process when we had literally almost every signature we needed. We were on our way to actually turning the, you know, dossier in to Rwanda. And Rwanda at that point decided to shut down all adoptions and because they were just inundated. They were inundated and they wanted to do a good job and just saw that they weren't going to be able to do a good job. And they said, but if you can get to Rwanda within 24 hours, we will accept your dossier. And thankfully, Rwandan soil was considered the Rwandan embassy in Washington, D.C. So I had this real moment of just going, it doesn't seem possible at all. I still had two signatures to get. I had to cart my little babies down to the downtown office, to the state office, and then I had to go to D.C., go to Hillary Clinton's office to get some stamps, and then I had to figure out where the embassy was. But I just grit. I just, it was grit right in that moment. Oh, my gosh. I have goosebumps. I remember this story, mm. but I mean, that's, that's a moment where nine out of 10 people would just throw in the towel. It just, they'd say it just cannot be done. I cannot get to DC in 24 hours with all these signatures in hand. And now we have Jack who is such a shining star. Yeah. Oh, that kid. And also he looks real grown up right now and it's not okay. Not um, okay. Ditto all your kids. I know. Okay. So listen, You've got a lot of fun things coming up. In fact, you and I have something together. We're both going to be on the at the um, speaking at the Dare to Dream luncheon here in Austin um, for Austin Angels, which um, my very good friend Susan, who's your new friend, um, launched and run on behalf of foster kids and foster families. Love, love, love Austin Angels. You and I are doing that together in November. Guys, we'll have all this on my website, by the way. If you're like scrambling for a pin, every single link or place Jessica mentions, I'll for sure have on my website website. That is amazing. Yes, you can find me at, I mean, my favorite social place is Instagram, Jessica Honiger, one N, two Gs, and noondaycollection.com. We'd love for you to host a trunk show. We've got some great giveaways in October because we are celebrating our, it's our birthday month. And so come and open your home and proximate yourself to the problems in the world and do something about it and look really awesome while you're doing it. 
So awesome. I would have absolutely no accessories were it not for new, for new day. You know, this is true. Um, I, I, there's, I'm a, I'm a walking billboard for your company at all times in all places. And the last thing that you did not mention is that in addition to building this beautiful company and winning all these awards and accolades, you're writing a book right oh, now. Gosh, <laughs> Do you remember? Did you remember that you no, are? This was my moment of forgetting, which was so awesome. Yes. My book is due. My manuscript's due in a week and a yeah. half. I know. And it's so much harder than I thought, even though I've seen you go through it so many times. But um, you've been such a champion. You've been telling me to do this for years. Yeah. And you are a champion. I mean, you live everything that you say. I want your listeners to know that, that, you know, I get to, I get to be with you in real life and everything that you write and is, was what you do and what you practice. And I've, I've gotten to be a huge recipient of your generosity and your empowerment. Mm. So this book is going to happen. It'll be released next August. So excited for you. Cannot wait. You know, I'll be screaming it from the mountaintop. So everybody stay tuned. Hey, sister, thank you for making time for this today. You know, I just love you to the moon and back. And I'm just so for you in every way. I believe in you. I believe in noonday. I'm proud of you. I love you. All those fun and loving words. Thanks, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody, anything you heard today, you'll be able to find on my website, all the links, all the everything. So go to it at your one-stop shop. Okay. Thank you to Jessica Honiger for being on today. Thanks, Jen. Okay. The amazing Jessica Honiger, everybody. I told you, um, she's just a phenomenal human being. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learned something. I hope that you're walking away with something amazing from our discussion. Everything we talked about is on my website. All of the links, uh, I'll throw up some really cool pictures because Jessica and I have traveled the world together, um, and done all sorts of things together. So I'll put some bonus content up there for you too. And I'm telling you, we've got more amazing guests in this series. So I, I mentioned the essay that I wrote beauty, food, fun, and naps. If you want to hear more about that idea, press into that conversation a little bit more. All that can be found in uh, the book that I just wrote of Mess and Moxie, and it's out everywhere now, and it's been so much fun. And you know what else is fun? This podcast with you. I mean, this has been a real surprise in my life in this season. Such a joy, so fun. Your feedback is amazing. We're listening. Um, We're paying attention to what you'd like to hear about, um, to guests you'd like to have on. We are absolutely collecting your input and it matters to us. And so many of us have gathered, you guys, it's just it's bonkers. I mean, we're going to, we're going to go over the 2 million mark on downloads easily in our first couple of months. And so this shared space with you is amazing for me. And I love it. I love that you're coming. I love that you're sharing it with your friends. Let us know how we can serve you better. Let us know what you'd love to hear. Um, Let us know who you'd love to hear from because anything goes on this podcast, you guys, this is not a really narrow lane. I'm really interested in hosting a lot of diverse voices from different spaces and different traditions and different ideologies. And I think that makes us smarter and more empathetic and better human beings. And so you got a suggestion. We're here to hear it. Guys, I'd also love to meet you. Uh, Fun news. I'm hitting the road this fall with my 
dear, dear friend, Nicole Nordeman, who you know and love, and we're going on tour together. We've got a bunch of cities already confirmed, more on the way. It's called the Moxie Matters Tour, and we are thrilled about it. It's a weeknight event, one night only, three hours. Um, It's going to be meaningful and beautiful and fun and funny and connected and simple. And we're going to talk about the things that matter to us. Um, We're going to talk about real life. We're going to talk about what it means to struggle and to overcome and to laugh and have joy. And we want to see you. So grab your girlfriends and come see us if we are coming to a city near you. You can get all the details either on my website at jenhatmaker.com under my speaking schedule, or you can get more specific details at the website for the tour, which is moxymatterstour.com moxymatterstour.com. We absolutely want to see you. So come out and meet us this fall. Anyway, thanks for joining us today. Next week's guest is going to be fire hot. So don't miss it. And I can't wait to join you next time. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love. Love you, our listeners. So we want to be sure you subscribe to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss a thing. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review. To become a part of Jen's online community, visit jenhatmaker.com and sign up for her newsletter. It's full of all the things you love, including free stuff. We love free stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time on For the Love with Jen Hatmaker.